Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Welcome to the WSO Weekly Wrap-Up, where I talk with my team about the five most trending discussions in the Wall Street Oasis community. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap-Up. It is March 16th, um, around noon. So let's, let's start it off, Matt. Great, thanks, Pat. Interesting uh, current events going on recently, guys. Uh, not not surprising at all in the top, in the threads. Uh, we've been seeing stuff around Credit Suisse, SVB. So we'll lead with that one today. Pat, do you want to give a quick just summary on what's going on with SVB for anyone that's not too familiar with the bank run um, and how this is going to affect uh, the overall financial uh, financial uh, services industry? Sure. So for those of you that were living in Iraq last week, uh, or living under Iraq last week, basically Friday there was. Uh, kind of a bank run that had started um, on Silicon Valley Bank. Um, short story, trying to, trying to simplify it, they had their risk management team didn't necessarily do a very good job in terms of hedging their, their risk to interest rates. So what happened is I think they had a lot of long duration bonds. And so when you have a lot of long duration bonds, like 10 years, uh, theoretically, it's a pretty risk-free asset, asset. But when interest rates go up as, as much as they did and as fast as they did, they do decline in value. So they had a couple billion dollar loss there. And then on top of that, they announced a capital raise. And I think the combination of those two things really started freaking people out. And I think um, since the deposit base for Silicon Valley Bank is so concentrated, it's like VCs all in this area where I live right here in the Bay. And it's a lot of startups all in the, a lot in the same area, like word spread really fast that there might be potentially be some uh, some issues around uh, liquidity, and so as soon as the kind of that spook, spooky rumor came out, um, it's kind of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. People start ripping millions of dollars out of the bank all at once, and they quickly just run out of run out of capital. Um, it doesn't take a lot because of the fractional reserve system that that we function under here. So um, I think the Fed's and then Signature Bank failed over the weekend. Um, so the Fed stepped in on Friday, and then the Feds had to step in on Friday for Signature Bank over the weekend for the same reason. And I think um, I think the Feds announced Sunday, or Sunday evening, that they were going to backstop all the depositors to try and kind of prevent contagion from hit all these other regional banks. Um, and basically, I think was that Sunday night or Monday night in the bill. I think basically what happened was still all these regional banks started crashing in the market. Uh, First Republic was under pressure. I think they're still kind of under pressure because now there might be a, a distressed sale. It's just kind of a total shit show for regional banks. Um, I think people are flying to probably ripping their money out and jumping to like the Bank of America's, the cities, the JP Morgan's of the, of the world. Yeah, I saw there was huge inflows on on one of the bulge brackets. I think that are, are the major winners off this SVP class. But I'm curious, do we know if this capital raise that they were planning on doing was the result of? The decrease in in their bond volume of uh, bond values that they saw, or was it they were they using those proceeds for for something else? 
you know, I don't know if we, I'm not sure, Nabil, do you know? They, they lost like 1.8 billion on this bond sale and then they tried to raise uh, funds to cover that gap that they okay, had. So they lost, because of uh, that. yeah, because they had to yeah, sell early because of rising interest rates. They had to sell early. And I think the rule, the accounting rules is you have to mark to market the whole like chunk of it if you sell any of it to cover deposits. So like if you sell like a, a piece of like this chunk of, bond, of bonds and they have to basically market to whatever it's trading at at that point. And so then it looks... So they have to show it as a loss, and so that it, it's like reality starts hitting <laughs> from those those that rapid increase in rates. So it was kind of a a perfect storm for them, uh, you know. But I think the, the more interesting and or scary part of this is the the contagion aspects. And now we're seeing Credit Suisse uh, kind of showing strains and cracks under pressure. Um, you know, they had had some underperformance for a while now, and I think. The Swiss government has stepped in saying they're going to, what, 50 billion, 70 billion, back them back them up or something like that, Nabil, to try. Yeah, and... 54, I think. 54 is the right number. They, uh, so, yeah. so, they're going to give like liquidity, basically, basically loans that, or whatever to prop them up. That's yeah. the gov- That's the Swiss government you mentioned, right? That's doing that? Because I thought I saw a headline say, I think one of the biggest Swiss shareholders bank. of Swiss um, Bank. Oh, it's, oh, it's another bank. bank. It's another bank. No, for Credit Suisse, I thought it was. I thought I saw something earlier today around. I think this, some some Saudi business owns a, is a large shareholder. Yeah. And they said, I don't 10%. think they said they're providing. They're not providing any more uh, help. I think they said they maximized the help they could provide. So um, they just probably, probably like boost politics. I mean, Switzerland government do do this basically. Because they can't right. get it above ten percent, they can't buy more of the bank. Even if they give yes. liquidity, there's no upside for them, right? So they yes. probably just went and pressured the government into getting one. Oh, of makes banks. sense. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah I guess the liquidity. ownership laws, right? Is is I guess the reason for that. Yeah, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. interesting times. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, I think we'll we'll cut it there. I mean, we we've heard enough on the news on SVB. It's all in the forum. So if anyone wants to. Learn a little bit more about what's going on. Definitely check out the uh, the forums. But we'll move on to the next topic here. I think another interesting uh, conversation to have uh, naturally around interest rates. So we know next week, Powell uh, and the the rest of the FOMC team are going to be connecting and and coming out with uh, with their new interest rates uh, for for the for the economy moving forward. So, Powell, what, what's your guess? I guess on what are we going to do? I, I know there's been rumors going around. I'll let just take this one. Go ahead. What yeah, Nabil, it's either 25 beeps, 50 beeps, or, or no change. What are you thinking, Nabil, on, on interest rates next week? Uh, it depends because, like, today, European Union against, like, it was a surprise they just raised by 50. I think now the odds are, like, 0 and 25 earlier, like, before the bank run, the odds were, like, t- between 25 beeps and 50. Now it's, like, 0 yeah. and 25. Cool. I think they'll go for 25, like... You can't just because if you if you do both, you're bailing out banks, and you have, uh, if you cut uh, raising rates now, like uh, suddenly you're gonna have massive inflation. There's a chance the now that they do quantitative easing. Yeah, yeah, they do quantitative easing and like they print currency and raise rates, so that kind of neutralizes the whole thing. Uh, which is I think why like Yellen, all three of them were there for the thing, right? FDIC, Treasury, and uh, Jerome Powell, like for the. Uh, for the whole backstop thing, so chance yeah. said that they're doing both at once kind of neutralizes it. So, what was was the uh, EU behind the? Cur- I think they're behind the curve on raising rates a little bit, right, compared to the US. If I'm not mistaken, so I, that's maybe why they did 50 beeps versus. Um, I think know, so, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't expect 50 because usually okay. in the EU, like you can't raise uh, so much without having some protests or whatnot. 
Yeah. But this time they did, so that just is like a strong statement, I guess, that they're gonna be aggressive. I, the only thing is like that just puts pressure on the dollar as well, right? If you're raising yeah. rates on the euro, then you can't just sit around with zero rates. So I think twenty five. It's Not it's 50. interesting because here in Canada the the last rate uh, discussions was actually left unchanged, so they uh, yeah. they didn't do any additional movements. Um, I guess it's all just based on each uh, country's economy. My guess would have been if the banks didn't start collapsing, we probably would have seen fifty beeps 50. and then um, twenty five and then a pause. Was just my guess on how things are are rolling out and the time of when these yeah. conversations would have happened would have been closer to Q3 on when a true pause would have came, uh, would have came. Now I think I'm probably anticipating still 25. If things do continue to break and it gets work, uh, worse than a pause, but if not, it's just kind of where we're at now with a few collapses and, and a few cracks in the system. I, I personally think it's probably going to be 25, one more 25, and then a pause uh, comes in the US side of things. I don't think they can go to zero yet. I think it looks really bad if they go to zero. It, yeah, I think it actually yeah. works I mean, as a signaling mechanism. If they go to zero, it's like panic. I, and I think yeah. selfishly, you know, a lot of people do want that pivot to come. But I think if you think with that long term had a little bit, you're going to see that we're probably worse off if you do get a pivot too soon. So I'm personally fine. Uh, like markets chop here, kind of go sideways a little bit until yeah, Q3. And the data is kind of all over. The data is all over the place because PPI came in less than expected, so it looked really good. I think yesterday or a couple of days ago, yesterday or two days ago. Yes, um, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, so yeah. PPI came in really lower than expected, which was great. Um, but CPI was still kind of elevated. Um, well, I, I think people for, forget like last year this time that we were in a bull market. I think this is when markets were kind of peaking around March, February, March, right? So I still think. The year-over-year comps need a role where I think CPI and some of these pricing uh, indicators really start, you know, deaccelerating now and really coming it into play. I think, I think it's around like, now, right? Because I, I, if I recall, I think February, March last year was still a really hot period. Yeah. Um, so I do think, you know, once we start getting into the April, May, the Junes, and of course, obviously, a lot of this data is, is on, you know, past information, which is a little bit difficult to make decisions based off of. But I think that's where. Um, Jobs still hot though. There. Jobless claims dropped again unexpectedly. Like so, like that's oh yeah, that's the kind of thing. If jobs, if unemployment stays under four percent, for it's going to be hard to think that there's any sort of drop in services. It's it's the services that are just sticky, right? Service inflation and it's not going down. So yeah, even though price of eggs are coming down, the price of uh, <laughs> people is the price of services aren't, and so. Yeah, you know, I I think I'm in the vote. I think that's going to change. But one thing I've always thought of is, you know, w when it comes to investing and stuff, is always just to look in your own personal world. Like I talk to people, I start hearing things more now. People struggling a little bit more, more conscious on costs. Yeah. Whereas maybe six months ago, everyone was just like, "Yeah, let's go out and spend money." But now I'm talking to people, and you kind of hear it more. I want to save, or this is a lot more expensive, and you kind of yeah. see that behavior changing in your own personal life. And I yeah. just trying to apply that a little bit more into things that if I'm seeing it in my own bubble, I'm sure, you know, the next person seeing it, another listener here seeing it amongst their friends and family. So totally. um, I think the slowdown is coming from like a consumer spending standpoint. Um, again, just this data is so back looking, it's hard to kind of make these uh, observations on, on data that's 
you know, from a couple months ago. I don't know how the Fed doesn't have a deal with like Visa or MasterCard to see the time. <laughs> Consumer spending, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, but then, but then you'll yeah. get the the people on the far right freaking out over uh, government <laughs> oversight and, and everything. So <laughs> that's why that doesn't exist. Um, Just anonymize it, blockchain it. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get with the times. Get with the times. Exactly. Yeah. Right on. Well, yeah, definitely. I think uh, it can go either way. Um, I mean, when you think about like how important that data is and like the millions of jobs at, at yeah. stake and the, like, it'd be really great if it, if it could always have a really nice smooth landing and thread the needle perfectly and have With real-time data, yeah. right? It's just having yeah. access to real-time yeah. data to make those decisions versus, yeah. I think that's why people are, are um, seeing these collapses in banks now, just because maybe there's that assumption that the Fed go too fast, you know, too strong, too fast. And because they weren't seeing the implications of it trickle through the system, you're not going to catch the breaks and the collapses ahead of time. It's just going to be as a result of the action. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, I think there has to be some modernization uh, in the government. But people always say that, you know, those industries are usually very dated and old school. Yeah, it takes a while. Um, it's, yeah, It's not surprising. But um, yeah, anyways, so we that's have, the like, third and last well, we topic. Yeah, WSO ahead. consensus like 25 bips then yes yes <laughs> next exactly. week let's, let's see let's what happens next week yeah. I'll, I'll lock in uh, lock in my bet on lock that it in. Sure. lock it 25. in 25 okay. we'll, we'll, we'll talk next Thursday and see uh, see what uh, if we were right actually transpired yeah actually <laughs> transpired um, but anyways last topic here guys I think uh, another common uh, theme we've been seeing the past few months more layoffs so this time William Blair specifically, um, you know, laying off a good chunk of the TMT team there. Uh, so let's let's kind of rebring up that conversation from last week, uh, guys. Any tips on how to protect your career in a market like this, where there's a lot of layoffs, even just the whole macro situation as well? What are some best practices you should be doing if you do currently have a job, but maybe are on, uh, you know, like a team such as Credit Suisse, where you know you don't know what that looks like in, in two to three months from now? So. Um, Pat, we'll, we'll kick it off with you since you're the expert on this type of stuff. Yeah, I think, um, I think honestly, yeah, I think honestly, like the people coming into William Blair, the the interns that are starting this summer, they're probably freaking out the most because it's what it implies is that the full time intern to full time offer rates are probably going to be much lower than expected. Um, actually, that that makes me wonder. Yeah, I think I haven't looked yet into our company database what that percentage looks like, but I will. Right, I'll pull it up right now. While That's actually a, a really interesting angle, Pat. I think I, I'd like to steer the conversation that way. Like, if you are an intern joining now, and you know you're in a situation where you know uh, that intern to full time um, yep. move, that probability has significantly decreased. Should you be doing anything different while you're still interning there? Because I, I do think you do obviously move forward with the internship. It's it's well, you, you try your, you try your you're damnedest to like get the full-time offer, but I think there's going to be a lot of heavy networking going on <laughs> when you're working, uh, while you're, while you're working through that, because, um, if you, if you assume you're going to get a full-time offer, it's just not, as not a good idea. Um, so, how would you go ahead? Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm looking at that. some of this data. Let me, uh, let me go to the investment banking industry report because I think it's there. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Matt. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to talk about like the networking aspect, like especially as an intern and and what I've kind of come accustomed to is the IB industry, albeit very large, it is a very tight-knit community. So especially as an intern, you know, does it look bad if you're, you know, after your days, you're, you're networking, grabbing drinks or coffees with people from other banks or, you know, should you be a little bit, you know, 
discreet with that networking, especially as an intern? Yeah, I think you want to be just, yeah, you don't want to be like announcing it to everybody. I think you should be discreet, but I think that the harder part is finding the time to go do that if you're actually trying to land a full time offer because you're at the office all day and all night. So I think doing stuff on the weekends where needed. Um, I'm looking it up right now here in terms of percentage offer rates. Here we go, intern offer rates. Let me see if I can find it. Um, so like some of the higher ones are like, you know, small, some of these smaller banks. Centerview has a super high offer rate, like 90%. So yeah, William Blair historically is in like the top 20 bank, like 88, 89%, 88.8% is what we have in our database in terms of intern offer rates. Yeah. So that's good. That's the good news for the William Blair people. They, they usually have extend almost an offer to everybody. Um, so I think you still have pretty good odds. My guess is maybe that drops to 60, 70% this year. So your odds are still pretty good. Um, not like historically they're at like 60% and it's going to drop to 40 or something like that. So that's the good news. Um, the bad news is, yeah, it's not like as guaranteed a, a thing this year. Um, yeah. And I could see, I guess, it being difficult to kind of keep that motivation throughout, like knowing that as an intern, you're going to have to put in th- that time. And if that offer rate has decreased, it's like, you know, well, what's the point of kind of going so hard? But I would suggest. Um, your odds are still good. Your odds are still, your odds are still good. I, I could see, though, how, you know, it does affect some motivation levels. Again, I think it's still, you obviously give it 150%. Um, I think people you know, go harder. Better. I think people are going to go harder and like make it more cutthroat. That's what I think. Everyone's going to be there like 7 a.m. and stay till like 2 in the morning like every day. <laughs> Need yeah. any help? How about I, now? How about now? I would say though, those individuals that maybe are a little bit nervous that I think we could speak for ourselves given that we have our, our own little talent recruitment. There's still a lot of demand for people in high B and that analyst level. So, you know, if it doesn't work out at William Blair, I'm extremely confident. You know, if you do the time, you put in the effort, you learn some great skills, then I think that could be easily applied and definitely find another role, another investment bank um, come the following summer for yeah, a full-time still, gig. It still I, looks good yeah, on your resume to have that internship. And so I think people are going to be more understanding and they're going to know about these layoffs. So if if you don't get that full-time offer, right, the good news is it's not like a bull market where they're going to be like, what was wrong with you? Why are you the one out of 15 that didn't get the offer? Yes, exactly. Right? It's going to be like, okay, you were the, you know, five out of the 15 doesn't necessarily reflect poorly on you. You're yeah. the seven out of the 15 that didn't get it. You weren't the best, but I think it's yeah. what we've seen. It's like some of these firms are kind of like banging the table. They need people in there just because of the turnover the industry's seen the past couple of years. So yeah. um, definitely don't hang your head low if, if it doesn't, you know, you don't get that offer. I, I do think there's still a definitely. Stay active meeting people. Stay active yeah. meeting people. Make sure you're networking internally at at the firm as well. So that increases your odds of, of getting that full-time offer. Um, so that means like trying to meet people, not just sticking to your group, meeting people outside your group, making yourself known. And then most importantly, like helping the analysts and the associates, um, taking anything off their plate that you can and doing a good job, checking your work. Um, I think if you do those things, you're probably in pretty good shape. Right on. Yeah. Any, any thoughts there, Nabil, for, for, um, not much. I haven't really worked through a recession or anything, to be honest. So no, you guys are babies. You guys are babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no wait, I was going to business school. In 08, I was in uh, going to Wharton. So, um, pretty crazy. <laughs> that yeah. I could see. That's tough to keep the motivation there. You're in business school. And you're just like the whole like the everything's financial economy is yeah. literally collapsing. <laughs> what am I doing here? Well, I was um, trying to do WSO full time, so I was like, oh, whatever. And I remember on the forums, people were like, Wall Street Oasis is going to die. I'm like, no, it's like three people, dude. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I'm like, actually, our traffic's exploding. Um, and we've seen the same thing. Our traffic is absolutely exploding because I think people are trying to find more information and, and get some get some insight. And so yeah. um, I think now is a time where WSO kind of shines because you, you can get some more kind of uh, inside information around what's going on, what are the thoughts internally, um, intern offer rates, stuff like that, which is available in the investment making industry report. Um, yeah, that's, that's the good news. I didn't know William Blair had such a high intern, intern to full-time offer percentage. So that's the good news is it's not like one of these banks that historically offers like 50 to 60% and it's going to drop to like 30. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, you still have a decent shot. I think, um, probably at least 50 to 70%, uh, I'm guessing well, they'll still, they'll still extend offers. So, yeah. And I think the main thing to kind of remind yourself is these times don't last forever where it's, you know, what we like to call a bear market. I think taking inspiration from some things you said, Pat, being around and when there was a recession in, in 08, when they were significantly bad times, that times do eventually change, right? And, and the prosperity does come. So it's all about just building throughout those tough times because it's inevitable when the prosperity does come, you want to kind of be ready for that. And I think you even spoken to that about the, the business itself, where during these times, let's keep building, let's keep polishing ourselves for when the, the time is right. And I think that could be applied in a personal career perspective like this, where it's if things are tough, Keep building, keep growing, keep learning new skills. For when the bull market does come back, you'll be a shining star and and ready to get picked off and, and full time. And hallelujah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Anyways, it. <laughs> on, on that note, let's let's keep the positivity there. We'll we'll call it for this week. Uh, amongst uh, a gloom, uh, gloom, gloom and doom, like gloom and doom week, gloom and doom news feed that I'm seeing everywhere. But <laughs> typically, when I, I think the news feed gets bombarded with negativity, I think that's the tail end of these bad times. Come on, crypto's ripping. We're happy. Come on, crypto. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Well, are you invested in yet. crypto? <laughs> yes. A little bit. A little yes. bit. Well, I've, I've, yes. I would say I've caught an interest of it. Uh, I'm still up even in the, very, in, the, in the crypto winter. So there's that. that that's how I'm you hodl. You, you talk to Pat for the hodling, uh, the hodling <laughs> strategies there. Any, anyways, guys, great convo. We'll, we'll be around next Thursday. Um, the, the conversation and see where interest rates uh, ended up, and we'll see who's right here um, awesome. on the next movement. But thanks, guys. Thanks. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.